Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the WinFL Show. I am your host, Ian McKinnon. I'm joined, as always, by Jake McGee and Dave Somerville. Gentlemen, week two is in the bag. How are we feeling? Feeling better. Much better this week. <laughs> as a Rams fan, feeling much better. And Jake, I'm what about yourself? Just emotional. Yeah. But uh, I'm glad to see that the NFL is still as crazy as it was on week one. It wasn't, it wasn't a one-off. Uh, no, if anything, week two was even crazier. Some of the endings... Uh, this week were just I couldn't believe it Uh, we're going to cover all the games going to cover all the scores from week 2 and then of course uh, in the next half of the broadcast we're going to be looking uh, ahead to week 3 and of course we will have random stats as well Uh, but why don't we just kick it straight off right off the bat Thursday night football and uh, wouldn't you know it was the Los Angeles Chargers versus the Kansas City Chiefs much closer, I think, than a lot of people thought, but maybe not quite as high scoring. The Chiefs wound up with that one 27-24 and an absolute killer pick six thrown by Justin Herbert uh, close to the end there. Uh, Jake, let's put it to you first. What did you take from this game? What are your thoughts? My thoughts are I'm a genius. Correctly predicted this. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I obviously saw this was coming. Um, but I was impressed by, by some of the things Chargers did. They, they started brightly. They were 10-0 up. Uh, it was 10-7 at half. They scored straight after half, so it was 17-7. They were in control for the, for the most part. Um, Mike Williams really stepped up with Keenan Allen's absence. He had a big uh, touchdown grab. Now... Mahomes, and he does it often, and it's covered, and you see all the replays, and you you just kind of take it for granted. But the sidearm pass for the first touchdown for the Chiefs was just frankly ridiculous. (laughs) You know, (laughs) you're you're right. It does seem like every week, so we're just kind of half expecting. And now it was it was sublime, wasn't it? Oh, it was sensational. And like you say, we're just used to it at this point. We're we're spoiled. Uh, The first time the Chiefs led was when the the rookie. Watson had his pick six, and my, my biggest takeaway was from it that uh, I hope Justin Herbert's okay. He was left bloody and bruised by the Chiefs. D. I, I don't know if it was paint or what, what it was, but honestly, it honestly looked like he was bleeding from the ribs. Like he was really struggling to even throw the ball, even move towards the end of the game. He was he was getting pummeled. Yeah, it did sort of look that way. And the, the fact that they were running this, uh, essentially what looked like a hurry-up offense, virtually the entire game to try and keep the Kansas City defense you know, on their heels. But it looked like the offensive players were getting absolutely gassed uh, in that game for the Chargers. Dave, let's put it to you. I mean, what did you, what did you think of this? It, it was a really good game. It was an amazing game, uh, especially for the neutral. Well done to Jake for predicting the, the exact, exact outcome of that. But... Yeah, the, what a game by the rookie. Um, I, mean, I mean, what a giveaway, you know, for, for the pick six. Um, it was, was it Gerald Everett who was just gassed by that point and he was struggling and then the very next play, he was, he was trying to get subbed off because he was struggling. The very next play, was he not targeted? And then, of course, the, the young rookie Watson, Jalen Watson, I believe his name is, just what a pick and... Bye bye. That was just at that point you you feared the worst, and obviously we know that not they they couldn't come back from that. But um, yeah, obviously a massive contribution from the Chiefs kicker as well. 
solid on extra points and two field goals as well. So yeah, it was it was a it was a weird game because we expected you know completion after completion, but you know both teams punting six times. It, it, it was a bit of a weird game, but the Chiefs the Chiefs got a bit more a bit better on the rushing. Uh, I think they they rushed for about ninety three yards, uh, but you know Herbert throwing for over three hundred yards and still not being able to pick up the win says a lot about the Chiefs. But um, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and yeah, it was it was worth staying up for on Thursday night. Um, so moving on, we then come to the first of our Sunday afternoon games, and my goodness, gentlemen, this. Believe it or not, from from a neutral standpoint, was a game for the ages. Uh, I couldn't believe it. It was the New York Jets uh, defeating the Cleveland Browns 31-30 at First Energy Stadium. And it was just insane. The, The Browns had this sewn up, absolutely sewn up. They never trailed in this game. And in fact, they were leading this one uh, by 13 points with 1 minute 22 to go in the game. The score at that point was 30 to 17 because the kicker, Cade York, uh, for the Browns, actually missed an extra point after Nick Chubb had scored his uh, third rushing touchdown of the game. And that left at 30 to 17 instead of 31 17, but with 1.22 to go. Uh, Joe Flacco hit Corey Davis. He was wide open on a blown coverage from 6 6 yards. And then with 22 seconds left, Flacco scored again, throwing a 15 yard pass to Garrett Wilson. And uh, that missed extra point came back to haunt the Browns there. Dave, we'll put it to you first. What did you make of this one? I mean, <laughs> couldn't happen to a nicer franchise, but I mean, the only positive really for the Browns was. Nick Chubb, uh, the the run game was fantastic for the Browns. Um, I think it was uh, three touchdowns for Nick Chubb, and I mean, what a tie! He, he shouldn't have scored that fight, that final touchdown. But you know, he said after, "I regret it." Duh. Yeah, I I I think the the Browns, the entire fan base, entire coaching staff, entire roster regrets you not going down on the one yard line to waste some some vital clock time. But th- this is it's just one of a number of things that happened in week two. This is just, it's unreal. But of all the people to lead a comeback like he did, Joe Flacco at the grand old age of 150, leading the Jets <laughs> all the way. And, you know, Garrett Wilson, two touchdown receptions. Um, their running back Hall also got in for one. You know, Greg the leg, doing everything that he needed to in that match. And... Yeah, it comes down to a one-point loss in the most dramatic circumstances. I mean, Flacco had probably the game of his life by throwing for over 300 yards, and it was just... I don't know what to make of it. I'm just, I'm just lost for words. Uh, and, you know, Isaac, uh, Sacco, I was going to call him Flacco. Joe Flacco got sacked twice in the game and still managed to throw for over 300 yards. It was one for the ages, but it was not the only game for the ages. But well done to the New York Jets. And who predicted that? Because none of us did. And I, I, I mean, I, I don't know what to make of it. I'm gobsmacked. I think what you were talking about there with, you know, Chubb not going down. I, I didn't see the reason that he should have gone down. Because nobody, no one thought the Jets were going to mm. score two touchdowns in the last minute and... 22 
of the game. They, they actually scored two touchdowns in a minute of, of play, 60 seconds. I don't think anyone saw that coming. I don't blame Nick Chubb at all. Um, I don't think he thought the Jets would come back. I th- certainly don't think he thought the kicker was going to miss the the extra point. <laughs> no. So no. even if the, the Jets had scored two touchdowns and two extra points, it would only have been tied. Uh, but Jake, let's put it over to you. What did you think? Yeah, I, th- I think he should have gone down. The Jets, and I think it was first down he was on. Jets didn't have any timeouts. You just analytics says go down. I mean, the Browns with a minute thirty three to go had a ninety nine point eight percent win probability <laughs> and still managed to lose. Uh, they lost to a team that has lost thirteen straight September games. So that makes it you know just thought I'd rein that in on them as well. But there were some great individual numbers. Um, Dave mentioned about Flacco twenty six for forty four. 307 yards. Wilson went 8 for 102. Amari Cooper kind of stepped up and it was the player that the Browns were expecting to be. He wasn't in week one. Uh, he had nine receptions for 101. And then, like you said, Nick Chubb on, on the ground and even in the pass game as well was absolutely sensational. So there's lots of great standout performers. But uh, yeah, I was very happy for the Jets. And also very happy for the Browns fans getting a bit of karma. Then we move on to our next game. And my goodness, I didn't see this coming. I'm not sure many people did see this coming. It was the Dallas Cowboys at AT&T Stadium beating the Cincinnati Bengals 20-17. to Now, there's a couple of things that I took away from this game. And that is that the Dallas quarterback, Cooper Rush, Looked an awful lot better than I thought he was going to. And my main takeaway from this is that the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line is appalling. Now, Jake, you said this after week one. After, you know, the game against the Steelers where uh, Burrow got sacked seven times, I think it was. You had said the Bengals offensive line is absolutely terrible. Well, do you know what? They gave up another six sacks this week. Uh, for 34 yards. I mean, Joe Burrow has been absolutely flattened two weeks straight. And I think, I, I don't want to say, you know, this is karma, but was it not um, was it not Lyle Collins, I think it was, the tackle, uh, who'd signed for the Cincinnati Bengals and then said to Joe Burrow, don't yep. worry, you're not going to get hit at all this year. Yeah. Um, he's been he sacked. His bodyguard. His bodyguard. And he's been sacked 13 times in two games to open a season. If this carries on, he's going to break, uh, was it David Carr's all-time <laughs> record of being yeah. sacked in a season? This is insane. He's on pace to be sacked over a hundred times this year. That is, it, it's not funny. That is ridiculous. He, something needs to change the front line of Cincinnati. Uh, now, I'm not blaming the offensive line totally because Joe Burrow has taken some sacks that really were his fault. He was holding onto the ball far too long uh, instead of just throwing it away. But that offensive line was just getting beaten up and down and any way you like it. Um, so, Jake, we'll put it to you first. What did you make of this game? Uh, the big win for the Cowboys, and I think they're a lot happier uh, than they were going into this game. Well, obviously, at the start of the season, we all thought one of the most prolific quarterback to, to wide receivers is going to be Cooper Rush to Noah Brown. I mean, who wouldn't predict that? Because <laughs> um, we're all big Noah Brown fans. You know, we all know everything about him, but he, he went 5-91 uh, for 91 on a touchdown and seems to certainly have a bit of chemistry with Cooper Rush. Now, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. For, for, for the main point, it's going to be Dan Quinn and that defense that will carry Dallas. And Mike Parsons, two sacks, two tackles for loss, five quarterback hits. He is playing like Lawrence Taylor at the moment. He is just an absolute fiend on that line, and that's where they should keep him. Don't don't ask him to drop back in coverage when he's playing like that. Just pin your ears back, go after that quarterback, especially, like you say, when you're going up against such a shaky offensive line. Now, it's 17-3 to three at half, and the Bengals came back, and you thought the Cowboys have played so well, and the Bengals are going to just you know do what good teams do and absolutely steal one at the end. If it wasn't for Trayvon Diggs, who, despite all his picks, comes under quite a lot of heat for his tackling and maybe giving up big plays, but he made a fantastic tackle on third and three with, with just over a minute left to get the ball back for Dallas, who then drove it down the field and kicked the winning field goal. So it was it was hard fought. It was deserved. You'd just An AFC champion going 0-2 is uh, not what anyone really expected, um, especially when you then saw... Dak Prescott going down against a backup quarterback. It's just not really that was on the uh, horizon. I mean, since 2020, when the playoffs expanded to 14 teams, 18 teams have started 0 2, and none of them have made the playoffs. It's not looking good for the Bengals. Wow. I mean, Jake said it at week one that they just could protect Joe Burrows. But I was looking at some of the stats. Um, the, the first half, they allowed four sacks. Of, of Joe Burrow and numerous quarterback hits. Now, if that doesn't send a message that there's something seriously wrong with that offensive line and they just cannot protect their star quarterback, like you guys said, what hope do the Bengals have this year? They're losing to a team who... Uh, they, their star quarterback went down injured. A guy who was not expected to do anything. They were there was rumors that they were going to be signing a, another quarterback almost straight away. Cooper Rush comes in, beats the AFC champions, and Dallas are off to a flyer now. After well, they 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 lost pretty spectacularly to the Bucks in Week One, but now they've got maybe a bit of momentum. Fantastic performance, two hundred thirty pass yards as well. Um, yeah, it's just uh, take nothing away from what the Cowboys managed to do on defense and offense, but the Bengals just uh, probably a surprise. But at the same time, with the state of the offensive line, are you really that surprised uh, with the res- end results? Because now that I look back at it, no, because they just cannot protect the quarterback. And uh, the amount of times that we've said, especially in the postseason. How important it is that your offensive line, you have you have the protection, you have the ability there, but Bengals just lacking. They need to get something done. We've said you're right, Dave. We've said it time and time again. It doesn't matter how good your quarterback is, how good your receivers are, if your quarterback is staring at the sky the entire game uh, because he's flattening his back. It you can't win. Uh, many games that way. Uh, now, moving on, do we come to the Denver Broncos and the Houston Texans? And uh, Adam Powerfield at mile high. The Broncos won this one 16 to 9. Do not be fooled by this score. The Broncos <laughs> should have lost this game. They should have lost it, despite the fact that they also should have won by 40 points. And once again, just the worst coaching. Now, I'm not going to go on like I did last week, guys. Not going to do that. But I thought after last week, there was no way the Broncos could 
get worse. So I th- I, I'm trying to think of the correct word. I thought there was no going backwards from week one. Well, boy, was I wrong. Nathaniel Hackett has proved that he uh, just doesn't know what he's doing. Two weeks running. The man hasn't got a clue. Uh, the Broncos had a, a third and one from the Texans' 39-yard line. You've got Javonte Williams, who is averaging like six yards a carry. And you've got Andrew Beck, one of the better, uh, you know, over the, the first week and a half, one of the better uh, blocking fullbacks in the NFL. What do you do? Do you give it to Javonte Williams up the middle? Uh, no, they do a wide run to the fullback, well, tight end slash fullback, Andrew Beck, who gets hit behind the line of scrimmage. And you think, right, first of all, that was absolutely idiotic. And then what do you do? You go to, you know, kick a field goal, but you let the play clock run out and have a delay of game penalty that moves you back five yards. You think, right, well, that was stupid, but it doesn't matter. You know, it's instead of a 50-yarder, it's going to be a 55-yarder. Uh, sorry, instead of 52-yarder, it's going to be 57-yarder. Now, you've already said, Brandon McManus... You, you tried him from 64 at Seattle. He had the leg, but he missed it. You're in Denver. You've got, you know, add five yards. It might as well be a, a 50, uh, 52 yarder from this point. What do you do? Oh, time's running out. You send on the punter. They punted from the Texans 44 yard line. And I was just watching this going, how is this possible? They then had a further delay of game penalty later on. And they had to burn a timeout uh, on a punt return because they didn't have a returner on the field. There was nobody there. Now, I, I can't blame Nathaniel Hackett for there not being a punt returner during a punt because, to the best of my knowledge, he's not the special teams coach. Uh, but just some of the decisions, the clock management, again, was appalling. The play calling was terrible. Uh, once again, with the ball on the one-yard line of the Texans, he's got Russell Wilson in the shotgun. I, I, I absolutely crucified him for this last week when he did it against the Seahawks. He does it again this week. And you're thinking, what are you doing? Get under centre. And I'm just, I'm, I'm slightly surprised because Russell Wilson, as we know, is a veteran. He's a, a very good improviser. I'm pretty sure that Russell Wilson knows how to audible out of place and into another play. And yet he's not doing it. He's not doing it and going under centre and saying, we've got a running back here who's honestly averaging six, six yards of carry and it's hard to take down at the, at the best of times and they're just not utilising it. Now, you might say, well, they did that last week and Javonte Williams fumbled. Yeah, that is true. You know, and I'm not blaming it, as I said last week, not blaming Hackett for the fumbles, but you're just thinking... Would you not just give the ball to Javonte Williams? Yeah, I know he fumbled last week, but you can't never give him the ball again. Give him the ball. I was just un... And I said I wasn't going to rant about this, and here I am ranting about it. So I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop now. Broncos didn't deserve to win this game. Nathaniel Hackett should be fired. I don't care that they won this game. And you get some fans who say, oh, a win's a win. Uh, Technically, yes, a win is a win. You're right. The Broncos are now 1-1. They should be 0-2 because of the coaching. 
They should be. They do not deserve to have a win. And let's not forget the two teams the Broncos have played are the Seattle Seahawks and the Houston Texans. Two teams that most people, prior to the season starting, said they're going to be in the running for the first overall pick in the draft next year. That's how bad these guys are. The Broncos have to play the Raiders twice. They have to play the Chiefs twice. They have to play the Chargers twice. This week, they've got San Francisco on Sunday night. And uh, we'll talk about the quarterback they're going to be facing in just a week while. I'm, I honestly, you know, I can't see how the Broncos can win more than six games this season if they keep playing like this. And they were my pick for being second in the AFC West going into the season. So I'm done. I'm done with it. Um, Dave, it's all yours. Denver Broncos, Houston Texans, awful Nathaniel Hackett. What did you think? I don't disagree with anything that you just said. Nathaniel Hackett has a lot of questions to answer, uh, not just from the Broncos fan base, but just from the general NFL community. In certain moments, what was he doing? Uh, one other thing I did pick up from the game, though, is that there were 21 penalties called between the two teams. So the Broncos giving up 100 penalty yards, the Texans to, uh, picking up 94. That's huge. And, you know, they, they, it's a, it was a very low-scoring game. I mean, it could have gone either way. I think both teams were just showing a lot of incompetence, whether it was coaching or where it was the players. But... It was just, it was pretty dismal. Um, and of course, the, the other uh, takeaway from the game is that Pat Sertan is out injured. And it looks like uh, Judy as well was uh, taken off injured, if I remember rightly. Yeah, that's um, right. But both Pat Sertan yeah. and Jerry Judy went out with, I think it was shoulder injuries. Yeah, that, yeah that, that's, that's big, big losses for the Broncos. And... They've got uh, the Niners uh, next week. And yeah, I mean, the only kind of bright spot in the immediate future for the Broncos is that they play the Colts <laughs> in uh, is it two, two and a half weeks, I think, to play the Colts. Apart from that, I'm struggling to find any positives, mate. I'm really sorry that it was really bad. Wilson just looks, he, he, he obviously doesn't want to say anything about uh, his head coach. But he just looked really kind of dead behind the eyes at at some of the things that were going on, and even at the end of the game, he didn't exactly look happy. So um, I feel for the guy, not yeah. necessarily about the wages, but you know, apart from that, I think he's he's joined from the Seahawks. He got beat by the Seahawks. He, uh, he's played against the Texans, and this is just it's going. It's even though they won, like you said, it's going from bad to worse. It is, and and Jake, just before I hand it over to you, you you're absolutely right, Dave. You look at Russell Wilson's eyes after some of these plays, and it's just it's almost like he's just going through the motions, like he can't mm -hmm. believe what he's being told to do. And I understand some people are on Twitter and they're saying, um, you know, oh, it's Hackett's first stint. This is only his second game. And you say, no, it's not an excuse. That's mm -hmm. not an excuse for a delay of game penalty when you're lining up for a field goal. You've That's, just failed a third down conversion mm -hmm. and then and then you have a delay of game penalty. Like, you know you're going to kick the field goal. What, what are you doing? And you, it, there's just, there's no excuse for it. And I'm, uh, I don't, I'm not trying to have a go at people who are defending Nathaniel Hackett saying, you know, oh, you give him some slack. But I'm hearing people say things like, oh, well, Bill Walsh went 2-14 and 14 in his first year. Stop that. 
Stop comparing Nathaniel Hackett to Bill Walsh. Just remove that from the equation. You know, you can maybe do that in 10 years after he's won three Super Bowls. Until then, don't ever, ever compare Nathaniel Hackett to Bill Walsh. The same way that you see uh, some people comparing rookie quarterbacks and, you know, they ha- they throw some interceptions say, oh, well, Peyton Manning threw 27 interceptions in his rookie year. Yeah, he also threw 35 touchdowns and 4,500 yards. You know, it's you can't compare... Uh, that that's that's apples to oranges. You can't compare the two. Uh, anyway, sorry, Jake. <laughs> I said I was going to hand over to you, <laughs> and I started ranting again. Um, what did you make of this? Um, I'm, I'm amazed Nathaniel Hackett is still breathing. How he made out of that stadium alive, I'll never know. I mean, at, at one point, the Denver crowd had better time management than the coaches. They they were counting down so that the team would stop getting penalties. That, that's right. That's right. Dave, I don't know if you saw this, Dave, but what they had so many penalties and delay of game penalties that the crowd were actually counting down the game clock for the team. And you could hear them, five, four, three. It's like, you know, snap the ball. We know what's going on. Sorry, Jake. Sorry, I kind of jumped in there. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no, just after nearly seven quarters of torturous... Denver Broncos play they had, they had the same amount of penalties as they did points which was at 22 they were 0-6 in the red zone there's 22 snaps in the red zone 18 passes 4 runs 2 of those being fumbles but 18 passes in the red zone like you say when you've got running backs that are averaging 6-7 yards a carry and look unstoppable but run damn ball I, I just I just don't get it and I'm glad you mentioned the 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 Beck play. It was a, an RPO on three and one with a tight end with an option to. to it's something you'd see on Madden. It it hurt my soul to the absolute core. I'm I'm sick of watching Denver Broncos. They were one of the teams I was really looking forward to watching this year. I hope I never have to watch them again again this year. Yeah, it's it's just it's ridiculous. You, you mentioned uh, Javante Williams over two games. Now, because Javonte Williams did have a couple of bad runs towards the end of that game, did take his average down slightly. Over two games, he's had 22 carries. 118 yards, 5.4 yards per, per carry. That's what he's had. Oh, over two games. You're like, come on, this guy should be getting 22 per game. Easily. I don't know why the Broncos are doing this. And if it wasn't for the fact that I'm a Broncos fan, Jake, I'm kind of with you. I am... I'm dreading the Sunday game. I'm absolutely dreading it I'm to the point where I, I know for a fact I'm not going to stay up and watch the Broncos on Sunday night football because if they play anything like remotely like what they've done in the first two weeks, I will go to bed in the foulest of moods and I'll be raging in the morning when I wake up. So I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to just ignore the fact that they're playing on the Sunday night and I'll watch it on the Monday. Uh, it's just, it's it's pathetic. It really is. So let's move on, gentlemen. Um, because I don't think we want to talk about this team anymore. We come to the Washington Commanders and the Detroit Lions. And my goodness, this was another fantastic game. So uh, the Lions won it 36-27 and they have been just pouring it on um deandre swift looks great amon rassin brown looks great what can you say about the quarterback in order to do that dave we're going to hand it over to you because uh, uh you know what 
he looked not bad at all. Not bad at all. Oh, and one other player I did want to mention, Aidan Hutchinson. My goodness, he looks good in the first Uh two weeks. So, Dave, over to you. Do you want to tell us all about Mr. Jarek Goff? Not really. Um, But he did throw for four touchdowns. Um, You know, when when there was a couple of um, plays that he missed an open guy, I, I can remember two that I saw anyway. Um, he did throw for 234 yards, so, you know, the the Lions, they were flying in that first half. They were, what, 22 to nil up at the half? So they they look brilliant. It's, it's Swift's uh, touchdown where you just you just thought, how was how he still up? And then he kept going and he kept going and then touchdown. It's just, wow. Uh, he, that That's some running back that they have there. And Amon Rasim Brown... Yeah, you know he's he's been playing well. Got two two receptions. Uh, Josh Reynolds, former Ram, also getting getting in with a, a fantastic catch in the end zone. Um, but yet they almost threw it away as well with our rampant <laughs> Washington Red Commanders coming back in the second half. Uh, Carson Wentz, you know, just slinging the ball. Um, was it two touchdowns? No, sorry, one touchdown for Dotson, and also he got the two point conversion as well. So the command, the commanders they came back, but just not quite enough in the end. Um, they went for the uh, for the well, they missed an extra point um, in uh, right at the end of the fourth quarter with about one fifty six left, which would have made it thirty six twenty eight. So they kind of screwed themselves a bit there, but yeah, the um, golf looked pretty much back to what the what well what you can consider to be his best anyway in the first half. And yeah, well done to the Lions. They they've got I think it's the youngest, the second youngest team in the NFL by average. And wow, Aiden Hutchinson, like you said, what a player! How how he did not go first overall in the draft. Like I think we I said it as well. I th- I thought Hutchinson should have gone first, but wow, the Lions have a player, and you know, good for them. Yeah, Jake, what did you think? Uh, what I thought was, you know, very similar to what, what Dave just said there. But there was one thing I noticed with Motor City Dan Campbell going for it on fourth and goal. Even though they didn't get it, it ended up resulting in a few plays later them getting a safety, two points, and they got the mm-hmm. ball back. I mean, I don't understand why more teams don't do it. We we saw it last week multiple times. Even if you don't get it, you're pinning them in. You know, better than most punts will ever be. You know, we celebrate punts when they're inside the twenty. If you go fourth and go and you pin them in at the one yard line or the two yard line, make make them beat you. You know, that's that's the kind of belief that that Dan Campbell has, and he's kind of instilling that team. You know, even if I don't get it, I've got faith that we'll do something about it. We'll either get the ball back, we'll you know, whether that be punting, interception, or even getting a safety. I mean, it's hard not to to fall in love with this Lions team. Um, I'm glad Dave mentioned the the missed extra point that just kind of killed any any suspense because you think okay we could be in for another crazy finish here Washington are going to break ah never mind the mistakes of points so <laughs> they would need two scores with a minute 50 left which you know only the New York Jets can really do so <laughs> oh my goodness um, so yes uh, yeah the Lions are looking good looking good and they're, they're thoroughly entertaining to watch and I, I can't wait to see some more of them this year um, so moving on we then go all the way out to Lambeau Field with the Green Bay Packers we're taking on the Chicago 
bears. And um, do you know what? It was basically business as usual, wasn't it? We knew the Packers weren't going to be the same Packers that we saw in week one. It's almost a carbon copy of last year, where they got absolutely trounced in week one, then came out and just blew the doors off the Bears. 27 to 10, Aaron Rodgers doing Aaron Rodgers things. And unfortunately, Justin Fields doing Justin Fields things. He's not looking great. Uh, 7 of 11, 70 yards. One, uh, zero touchdowns, one interception. Justin Fields is having an absolute torrid time. The one bright spot that they really have is um, David Montgomery. In the backfield, 15 carries, 122 yards. He looked really good. Difficult to take down. He also caught a few passes as well. Uh, but uh, Aaron Rodgers just spraying the ball around. Everyone was getting into the action. Uh, Aaron Jones looked great. Alan Lazard looked great. And... Jake, let's put it to you first. I mean, did did you expect anything different, really, than what the result was? No, not not really. And I was kind of glad that at least one game followed the script of what we expected. But yeah, Aaron Jones, fifteen rushes, uh, one hundred thirty-two yards with a touchdown. Had three receptions for thirty-eight and a touchdown. Uh, Sammy Watkins even turned up. He had three receptions for ninety-three. Like you mentioned, David Montgomery was absolutely phenomenal. But Justin Fields, he ranks 33rd in pass attempts. Now, last time I checked, sorry, sorry, sorry. Did you did you did you get that number wrong? Did oh no, I I can assure you, he is 33rd in a league that has 32 teams. <laughs> and I bold prediction next week he'll be 34th. Cooper <laughs> uh, Cooper Rush has overtaken him, and next week Jimmy G will overtake him. So. He's thrown the ball 28 times through two games. And wow. you'd think, you know, my first thought was obviously week one, waterlogged pitch, yeah. probably didn't throw the ball much. He threw the ball six more times that game than he did on Sunday night football against the Packers. I mean, 11 attempts against the Green Bay Packers. Um, what is going on? Like, what what is this play calling? How, how are you going to sell this is your franchise quarterback who you traded up for and he's the be all and end all if you don't trust him to you know throw the ball which happens to be his job yeah i mean you're right they traded up to get him he was drafted in the first round and and i'm sure you guys remember um when i'd said i think one of our very first episodes when the broncos passed up on justin fields i was really really annoyed um when they drafted uh pat sertan PS2. Uh, obviously, they made the right choice. So it just kind of shows you what I know. Um, because uh, PS2 turns out to be a, a fantastic player. I'm just in fields. I gave him a pass last week. Uh, like you said, Jake, give him a pass. The weather, just, you know, it was awful. But eh, I don't know. I don't know. How, how much of it is fields? How much of it is the play calling? Because he just looks out of his depth back there. Um, so we'll need to see how it, how it goes on with the season. They were a lot invested in him. Uh, let's hope that for his own sake, they can do a little bit better. I mean, Dave, what did you make of this? Uh, well, it, it, they got off to a good start. Uh, it, you know, they, they, I think it was their first, was it their first drive? They got, uh, they got the touchdown with Justin Fields, uh, running in there. Um, but after that, it was just, it was just a catastrophe. They, they, the second quarter, you know, immediately after quite a, arguably a very successful first quarter, they failed to get a first down. And then in the third quarter, they managed to get two first downs 
and that was it for the rest of the third quarter. So the Packers just dominated that second quarter. The, they they basically just ran the Bears down completely. Aaron Jones was fantastic. Um, now, uh, full disclosure, I did put a slight bet on with Aaron Jones getting over 75 yards and a touchdown in that game. So thank you very much, Aaron Jones. I raised the glass to you. However, Justin Fields, I, I, I again, I'm not a great believer in him. Uh, but at the same time, I think the Bears are, again, in a lot of trouble. They did have a good, successful week one, obviously, against 49ers. It took borderline hurricane weather for them to actually get the win. However, back to business as usual, Bears just looking horrible. Um, you know, they, they, they've got one bright spot with their running game, but, I mean, Justin Fields is, like you said, he's not only out looking out of depth, but he's just not looking what the Bears hoped what he was going to. Yeah, I mean, if the Bears are going to do anything this year, I think David Montgomery's going to have to basically turn into uh, Derek Henry. Uh, he, you know, he really is because he's going to have to carry that team. He, he does appear to be the only bright spot in that entire offense. Um, so moving on, we've then come to a bit of a shock, uh, score-wise at least, the Jacksonville Jaguars just absolutely tanking the Indianapolis Colts 24 to nothing at the TIAA Bank Stadium. I hate these stadium names. Easy for you to say. <laughs> T-I, it could be the TIAA Bank Stadium? I don't know. It's rubbish anyway. Um, Jacksonville Jaguars, 24 to nothing over the Colts. Trevor Lawrence looked better. And it's what we've been waiting for is for Trevor Lawrence to look better. But not only did he look better, he was 25 of 30 passing for 235 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, no sacks, a rating of 121.5. Matt Ryan just didn't stand a chance behind what we thought was probably the best offensive line in the entire league. He was getting beaten up from the first snap of the ball. He got sacked five times. He threw three interceptions with a rating of 34. 16 of 30 for 195 yards. Even Jonathan Taylor couldn't get anything going. uh, Just 54 yards rushing. Um, Jake, we'll put it over to you first for this one. The the Jags and the Colts, what did you make of this? It was uh, was a good day for to be a Jaguars fan. Absolutely, and Really, this shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. Much like the the cliche that Patriots don't like playing in Miami, the Colts really don't like playing in Jacksonville. That is eight straight home wins against the Colts. It's the third time since 2017 that the Jags have completely shut out the Colts. I mean, they are dominating at home against this team. Now, Matt Ryan, like I say, really did struggle. Nearly, only just completed 50% of his passes. Three interceptions. Trevor Lawrence, on the other hand, almost flawless. 25 out of 30. 235 touchdowns. Had, well, not, not that many touchdowns. Wow. wow. That's, that's, what that's, impressive. that's what it kind of looked like. I'm getting very excited. Uh, 235 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, the Colts, you know, great offensive line, best running back in the league, rushed the ball 13 times for 54 yards. The Jacksonville Jaguars rushed the ball 37 times. I mean, they just dominated this game. Christian Kirk had uh, two touchdowns. Even Evan Ingram turned up. But the main thing that changed this game was the Jacksonville Jaguars just won the trenches. They had five sacks, five tackles for loss, 11 QB hits, 11 passes defensed. 
I just they just dominate. I I don't understand the Colts game plan. They went in there with no their top two wide receivers out. They already had a shaky wide receiver room. So you're losing your top two. You'd think, okay, they're gonna absolutely run the life out of this ball with Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines, but for some reason they still threw the ball and, and they paid the price. But yeah. both punters had more yards than Matt Ryan. Oh my goodness. I mean, if I'm the Colts play call in that game, I'm putting three tight ends in on every single play and just running the ball. I, I don't know what they were thinking. Um, Dave, I mean, what do you think? Christian Kirk, he's earning some of that money, isn't he? Yeah, I, I, I don't want to take it away from the Jags, but just how bad were the Colts? I mean, going, in, going into the fourth quarter, the Colts had 92 yards uh, on of offense. Now that's just that that's not that's unforgivable in the NFL. That's unforgivable. Ninety two yards going uh, at the end of the third quarter. Just, I, I mean, they obviously five sacks, but Matt Ryan they did they they tried to mount something in the fourth quarter just to avoid the shutout. Um, and it's you know they got they got more yards in the fourth quarter than they did the, the rest of the game, but. At the same time, two interceptions, two sacks. That that offensive line did just let down their quarterback, but the quarterback let himself down as well. I think he. he I, I, it's been a while since Matt Ryan has played that bad, and we couldn't point it at maybe, you know, um, maybe drop passes or not enough protection. Matt Ryan had a really bad game. I I was very shocked by that, but yeah, th- this is. Something the Colts need to put behind them really quickly. We tipped them for challenging uh, for the division title. Now, I'm not seeing anything like that. Even Taylor couldn't get going, like you said. This this was just an absolute blowout. The Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence playing like the franchise quarterback. We thought he could be, as long as he, if he does that uh, in the long term and consistently, the Jags have a real star player in there. Christian Kirk, like you said, uh, wide receiver number one this year. I mean, he he looks great. He looks what the Jags hoped he was going to be. I, I'm I'm still not. Conv- I'm hoping that it's not just a one game wonder. But yeah, the Jags. Wow. Who and nobody nobody saw this coming. Uh, so we definitely didn't. But yeah, big up the Jags. Shout out to to the kicker Riley Patterson. Hit a 52-yarder, <laughs> and he went three for three on extra points, so he, he's go. flawless. Absolutely. Spot on. Looks like they made the right call there with the kickers. Um, now, I, Dave, you're absolutely right. I picked the Colts to win this division. I, I thought the only thing they were really missing, uh, although, you know, as Jake alluded to, I beg your pardon, um, that wide receivers' room's not heavy, uh, but... I thought that Matt Ryan was just such a big upgrade that I thought they were going to absolutely run away with this division. And and I was completely wrong. Uh, So we'll move on to the next game. And I'm going to talk about this. And then Dave, I'll get you to talk about this. And Uh then Jake will get you to talk about this. The New Orleans Saints, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Caesars Superdome. This was a close, close fought game for the first three quarters. Uh, it was tied at three. The, the Saints led it at halftime, three nothing, and it was tied at three at the end of the third quarter. And then, what can only be described, in my opinion, as some of the worst officiating that I've seen in a long time, was very advantageous towards Tampa Bay. 
Um, I don't want to talk about it too much because I know Jake's got a lot to say in this. Uh, but I, as I say, the final score of 20 to 10 should never have happened in this game. There were some very questionable calls, uh, every one of which benefited Tampa Bay. And um, Dave, what did, what did you think of this quickly before we hand it over to Jake? I mean, you know, just well, just to say what happened in the game, an on-field scuffle which just cleared the sidelines. Um, you know, there's obviously history between uh, Mike Evans and uh, Lattimore. Now, both players got ejected. However, Tom Brady was pretty much the little very the sly old dog that he is pretty much started that Lattimore mouthing off about good coverage Brady got right in his face and then all of a sudden boom in comes Evans now there's history between them he's he's a repeat offender is Mike Evans he's been suspended before for similar things but the officiating was just disgusting. Uh, it's an, That was embarrassing. I, I'm embarrassed for the officials that made some of these calls. Um, just lo- looking at, at the game itself, it was so close right up until that fourth quarter and that happened. You know, the cut, um, obviously their, their best cornerback, the Saints' best cornerback, you know, ejected from the game. I, I, I just, I feel really bad for the Saints. They did not deserve to lose. If they were going to lose, definitely not in that fashion. But everything went against the Saints in that one. And yeah, uh, well, I won't take up too much time. But up up until the fourth quarter, you know, Jameis was pretty solid. Uh, the, the fourth quarter was just a bit of, they, they capitulated a little bit. Uh, three interceptions for Jameis um, and three sacks as well. So yeah, there, there's a lot that the NFL can take from this in the way that they need to sort out what the, the complete catastrophe that happened in that game. But yeah, it just I think we're all now Saints fans after that game. I would disagree with some of the points. I think the Saints did, did deserve to lose that game. I mean, besides the obvious fourth quarter meltdown on the officiating, the, the officials were awful throughout the game for both teams. Even at the start, they were calling ridiculous things now people make excuses for, for Winston he had four fractures on his back he was heard last week saying it hurts everywhere it, there's there's no particular part it hurts it just hurts everywhere uh, but he overthrew Olave several times and that was our only that was our only play we were so predictable uh, we threw it long to Olave if Taysom Hill was in a quarterback he ran the ball there was no there was nothing there was no game plan the Mark Ingram with another killer fumble. Uh, we got Brady off the field late in the third and then had 12 men on the field when the Bucks were punting. It, it was poor. The, the Saints were poor. Now, the officials, I mean, I dare anyone to watch the Bradley Roby tackle and tell me how that was unnecessary roughness. He didn't even complete a tackle. If anything, it was a really crap tackle. Uh, but somehow, he got, he got flagged for it. I've not seen anyone, even Bucks fans, come out and say that should have been a flag. And then as for the the assault, basically, at the end of the game with the, the ejections, it just uh, it just blows my mind that Lattimore, for one, got ejected. I mean, Brady was chirping at him, Fournette pushed him, and then he got blindside hit by a person who wasn't even on the field. He wasn't even on that play. He came off the bench and absolutely wiped him out. And somehow it was a one-for-one ejection, which hurt us. And then, you know, the news coming out that he suspended one game when he was suspended one game in 2017 for hitting Lattimore. I mean, 
where's the where's the consistency in terms of repeat offenders? You know, if you, you smoke weed once, you get two games. You smoke weed twice, you get four games. You smoke weed a few times. Josh Gordon was basically exiled from the league. It just it makes no sense. And my final part in question is, why the heck was Bruce Arians on the sideline? He's not a coach. What what, what, what are we doing? I, why, I, why is Bruce Arians on the sideline? I mean, yeah, just... I did wonder at that. I was I was looking at it going. What's he doing there? Is he the coach? He was chirping off to the refs. He was getting involved. He's not a coach. Go sit in your books, you fat, retired man. Just bore off. He absolutely does. It It, it was shocking. And there was, there, was, there was also a holding penalty, a defensive holding penalty against the Saints that I was just scratching. Now, I forget the player. I think it was number 93. I, I forget who the, the player was. Am Jordan? 93 is on your matter. Oh, on your matter. I think it was on your mat, I think it was 93, and they did called holding, and I think they're actually called holding against the offense, and then says, oh, I beg your pardon, against the defense. And I was looking at it, and I watched the replay, and I'm going, that's not holding. <laughs> I mean, it's like, any way you look at it, there's no hold there whatsoever, and I couldn't understand why some of these calls were going in. And when I said the the Saints didn't de- uh, deserve to lose, what I meant was they didn't deserve to lose in the fashion that they did. And by that score, you're right, by the end of it, James was just chucking it deep, throwing interceptions. It, it just it looked awful in that fourth quarter. But I just could not believe some of the calls. I, I was just bemused as to where they were coming from. And, and you're right, but Bruce Arians, I was thinking, why, why is he there? And for a split second, I forgot he wasn't the coach because he was standing on the sideline, um, shouting and bawling. And I'm going, what, what's he doing? Uh, so it was, was he was he not involved as well? Uh, it just uh, just before the scuffle, was was he Latimore was you know he was celebrating his pretty good coverage, and he was one of the ones that were chirp that was chirping at him on the sidelines, you know, saying a few expletives uh, to towards him as well as was and then Brady obviously came in so not only was he should he not have been on the sidelines but he was getting right involved and in that massive scuffle he was also involved so what was he doing there I, I, do you, do any of us know I don't think so shouldn't have been then like say NFL Chef just came out earlier and said the NFL have upheld Mike Evans one game suspension when it came out that it been I can't even think of the word at the moment they, they basically appealed it uh, I was hoping that meant the Saints would be able to not not the Bucks. If the Bucks even dared to appeal that, they, they should be fine. <laughs> they, should, they should have got, they should have turned around and said, "You know what? You're right. It shouldn't be one game." I would have loved that, but I I now have a new you know Super Bowl favorite because it's just they're, they're obviously going to do whatever they can to help Tom Brady out. Oh, don't even say that. Uh, oh my goodness! All right, so we should move on, gentlemen. What do we think about that? Um, so I think what we're going to do now is going to go on to the next game, which was. Do you know, two weeks, two weeks we've now predicted uh, an upset. And two weeks we've been wrong. So it's the New York Giants, the 2 0 New York Giants, 1916 over the 0 2 Carolina Panthers at MetLife Stadium. 
Um, it wasn't the best game, for being honest. A lot of field goals. Graham Gano, he, he knocked through three field goals. Uh, sorry, beg your pardon, four field goals, including two of over 50 yards, 51-yarder and a 56-yarder to give them the, the eventual 19-16 uh, lead. Graham Gano looked absolutely fantastic out there. But it was a very, uh, the, you know, they were equal on first downs. Not a lot of passing yards, not a lot of rushing yards. It wasn't the best game to watch, but... The Giants won, and I didn't think they would. They're 2-0. I don't know what else to say. Jake, do you have any opinion on this? My opinion is I don't even think the Giants want to be 2-0. I mean, they won the game, but once again, I'm not convinced. Daniel Jones threw an awful pass. That was a a, a pick six every day of the week if the Panthers' DB didn't have mittens for hands. I don't don't know how he didn't catch it and run it back. It, It blew my mind. Uh, and on one of the plays, a Giants receiver on third and one caught the ball for the first down, then ran back and then didn't get forward progress because then he tried to run back and it went to fourth down. Uh, the Giants were trying to not win this game. It was it was somewhat impressive. But yeah, Graham Gano got 13 points by himself. So he was willing to uh, to carry his team against his, his former team, the Panthers. Uh, the Panthers have lost three fumbles. The only real... Nugget I found on this was Richie James. He's, he's turned out to be a weapon for the Giants. He's had 10 receptions for 110 yards so far when he was pegged just to be a returner. Uh, Kenny Galladay is a non-factor. He's basically being iced out from the Giants. Obviously, Dave Gettleman's last present to the Giants with that huge contract, but he's not even getting played out of spite. They are just willing to just eat it for this year from the looks of it. Well, I mean, Baker... But where where was he? He he did he had a really not great game. Did uh, Baker Mayfield? Um, the only kind of plus point for him was that he didn't he didn't have an interception. But yeah, Graham Gano, big up the Scots, uh, getting thirteen points in the game. Fantastic for him. But the Panthers, you know, two fumbles. They should have won the game again. That with with our um, our upset prediction. It just they threw it away, and for for I mean at the moment they're fighting for that first pick. I, I don't know are they looking for a high quarterback in the draft? I'm not sure, um, but yeah, just 120 odds yards for Baker. Uh, they got more rush yards in the game, and you know it, it was it looked pretty easy in the end. It, Baker was just not just didn't turn up really. And like Jake said, Daniel Jones was not that much better. Um, but I mean, it was it was a weird game. Um, either team could have won it. I think both teams tried to lose it a couple of times. But yeah, Giants two and zero. Who saw that coming? Because we definitely didn't. We just thought that the Giants were going to be, you know, they, they they had a decent draft, but still, it wasn't enough to start the season two and zero. Um, beating the Titans by a point, beating the Panthers by three points. You know, you never know that with <laughs> with the Dak going down, that 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 division is wide open. Oh, I don't know about that. We haven't come to the Eagles yet, but you never know. The Eagles might do Eagles things. Um, so yeah, I mean, the one bright spot I thought for the Panthers is that Christian McCaffrey looks healthy again. So that that's good to see. Um, so moving on, we then come to the Pittsburgh Steelers and the New England Patriots at the appallingly named. Acrisure Stadium. 
<laughs> God, I'll never get used to that. Hey, the Patriots come away 17-14 winners uh, away from home. So it's a big win there for the Patriots. Both the Steelers and Patriots now 1-1. One and one. Um, it, was, uh, it was a pretty entertaining game, even though you wouldn't think so by that score. Um, and Mac Jones actually looked pretty good again. Um, he, he went 21-35, 252 yards, one touchdown, one pick. So it wasn't the best of games for him, but he still looked pretty good. Um, Mitch Trubisky didn't look quite as good, unfortunately. Uh, he did get sacked three times uh, as well, so that's not his fault, obviously. Um, so, Dave, we'll put it over to you. The uh, Patriots or the Steelers? Well, Bill Belichick doing Bill Belichick. Uh, things he, it's it's his kind of game where it's close and he's trying you know trying to grind out that victory and they managed to do it and they you know they they did it well in the end uh, like you were saying three ta- three sacks uh, for Mitch um, they also uh, fumbled it as well one interception um, I I want to I want to say that it wasn't all Mitch Trubisky's fault but he had a couple of plays where he could have done a lot better. Uh, from what I can see, the Steelers are, are they're playing like a team that are almost happy to get like a kind of nine and eight season at the moment that they, they would grind out a nine and eight season. So if Mitch is going to play like that every game, why not throw in Kenny Pickett? What 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 have they got to lose? Because if they're happy to get a nine and eight uh, season, why not take a chance on your first round quarterback that you picked? You know, at twentieth overall in the draft, it's not a bad idea. But maybe give Mitch a couple of weeks, and if he if he loses the next two games, throw and pick it. That that that's what I think. Just throw and pick it. They they should be doing a lot better. Um, but they 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 didn't score a touchdown to the fourth quarter. You know, I, I I worry for the Steelers, and you know they they're the coach. Is one of the best. I, I think Mike Tomlin is really one of the best. Uh, he knows what he's doing. However, he, he can't control what the players do on the field. He can give them the options. He can show them playbook, but the players have to carry it out. And I'm uh, obviously I, I've I've maybe thrown some hate on Mitch in the past, but I think maybe there's a big argument now, especially from Steelers fans online, that maybe it is time for a change in Kenny Pickett. Even though it's Mitch's first season, it may be time for Kenny Pickett. And the Steelers fans, a lot of them are now calling for it. The, the home field and, and the Steelers, you know, we're always going to be shouting for Kenny Pickett. Now, the reason they won't put him in is because the offensive line sucks. Mm-hmm. The, the Patriots got three sacks, three tackles for loss, six pass, passes defense, three QB hits. They, they won the trenches, and that's what won them the game. Their Patriots O-line played much better. Um, this week, compared to last week, obviously it helps that they didn't have to face TJ Watts. Um, Mink Fitzpatrick came up again with another interception. He played fantastic. He's trying his best to pick up where, where TJ Watts obviously lacking. The the main play from this entire game was Nelson Aguilar going up and making a huge play just before half time, just absolutely mossing the, the secondary player, just, you know. Not really someone you would expect to do that. He's known for being fast, but he went up there and he, he contested that. That that was the difference. I mean, late in the oh no, yeah, late in the first quarter, they Trubisky threw a pick and then Mac Jones said, I'll raise you and threw another threw a pick. I mean, Trubisky's was tipped, Mac Jones was just a, a poor pass. I mean, it wasn't 
a great game. I don't think anybody was expecting it to be a high-scoring kind of fancy game. It was going to be a gritty game between two teams who are kind of finding their, you know, finding their identity at the moment. And I won't be surprised that we see Kenny Pickett soon, uh, you know, in the next couple of weeks. But I think the reason he's not in at the moment is because that offensive line sucks, and Mitch Trubisky can at least run for his life a little bit. That is true. He's a very athletic guy, Rich Trubisky. Uh, but unfortunately, he's having to be. Uh, okay, so moving on, we then come to... Well, let's not get ourselves on here. This would have been the best comeback of the, of the week if it hadn't been for another game uh, that took place. And this was the Las Vegas Raiders and the Arizona Cardinals. Now, the Cardinals uh, wound up winning this one 29-23. That does not tell the story of this game. They were trailing... 23 to 7 with 8 minutes and 14 seconds to go in the game and then it just went crazy. Darrell Williams has a a one yard run and then a touchdown run and then Kyler Murray has a two point conversion where he runs around for 21 seconds and at one point was behind his own 20 sorry was behind the readers 25 yard line proceeded to run in for a two-point score and then as time expired Kyler Murray rushed for three uh three-yard touchdown and then had another uh two-point conversion this time a pass and then in overtime wouldn't you know it the Las Vegas Raiders turned the Cardinals over on downs with just a few minutes to go in overtime and then Derek Carr hits a pass to Hunter Renfro for 11 yards. Renfro fumbles, it's forced by Zayvon Collins. It was recovered by Foster Moreau so they get another chance. This is at the Arizona 39-yard line and then Derek Carr completes another pass to Hunter Renfro who fumbles again it's picked up by Byron Murphy, who sprints 59 yards for the walk-off touchdown in overtime. It was a mental game. Did not see any of this coming. Jake, did you see any of this coming? I mean, I don't think you could see it coming. I mean, Kyle Murray, like you said, on that two-point conversion, ran 84 yards on a two-point conversion, which you'll be surprised to hear is the longest ever because, you know, you start at the seven-yard line. So to run 84 yards to run it in is quite impressive. I mean, the Cardinals scored the last 22 points. You mentioned Hunter Renfro, two fumbles in overtime, had one last week. He had five last season. It's clearly an issue for a talented player, but you're literally throwing away the game. But this was just a game of two halves. It was 20 to nothing at half time. But the McDaniels and the Raiders' offense just went missing. Um, Devontae Adams went missing. He two for twelve after a promising week one, and you know, us saying that he's maybe being targeted too much. Well, this week he just went absolutely missing. Um, you know, Kyler is really earning that extension, and, and maybe they've got something to worry about with Call of Duty coming out next month. But at, <laughs> at the moment, Kyle Murray is is dialed in, and I'd just like to give a shout out to Greg Dorch because. I had no idea who he was before the start of the season, but boy, is he a play. He's got 11 receptions for 118 yards and a touchdown so far, and seemingly seems to be the, the go-to guy in, in Arizona, and he just keeps making plays. The, the 84 yards that Kyler, Kyler Murray ran for for that two-point conversion was just... it was The, the only thing I can uh, relate it to is uh, I, I saw a quote on Twitter from a scouting report on Kyler Murray 
was that uh, he reminded the scout of a three-year-old toddler running about the way that he runs about on plays. But, you know, that that's not a bad... Uh, when you run around like he does and when you can make players miss like he does, that's not always a bad thing. But, you know, I obviously take nothing away from the Cardinals, but the Raiders in the second half, 53 yards of total offense they got in that second half. The players were walking about with big smiles on their face going in at halftime, the Raiders players. And oh boy, did they get brought back down to earth, just kicking and screaming. I, I can't believe it even went to overtime. Not only was it, uh, did, did they give up um, three touchdowns in the second half, but they also gave up two two-point conversions. Now, obviously, the, the, the touchdown run for the last play of the game for Calamari and then the two-point conversion as well, take it to overtime. And then just, I don't know what Hunter Renfrew was doing. I, I mean, it wasn't necessarily all his fault, but you've got to hold on to the ball. You can't fumble it like that, especially twice in a row. I mean, just that's painful. But um, yeah, the Raiders just, Raiders turn into the Falcons maybe. But uh, yeah, just I, I, I just can't believe it. Um, it this, this week too, was just unreal. You could not write it. If you wrote about it in a book, no one would believe it. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, and the Raiders are now 0-2 to start the season. I don't think many folks saw that coming. Now, talking about the Falcons, Falcons oh. played the Los Angeles Rams and they came so close to exercising those demons. So close. 3-22 in the third quarter, they were down 28-3. And all Falcons fans know that score. Well, wouldn't you know it? Drake London catches a four-yard pass to Marcus Mariota. The Rams then do score again with a 20-yard field goal. And then Mariota throws another touchdown pass to Zacchaeus. And then they have a blocked punt return and convert the two-point pass. And at all of a sudden, it's 31-25. But they just couldn't get it done at the end of the game. And the, the Rams came out. 31-27 winners. It was so close. The Rams had this sewn up, took their foot off the gas and very nearly paid the price. Dave, give us your thoughts on your Los Angeles Rams. I mean, I went to bed <laughs> when it was 31-10. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, that was that was really squeaky bum time, I, I think. It was, they, they almost got us. I mean, you know, uh, Mariota, he... Well, up until that point, he didn't look great, but you know it was. I don't. I I, I don't know what to say. Of you know, a win's a win, but there's ways to do it. Uh, we we couldn't get a run game going for the entire game. You know, luckily uh, Stafford was able to sling it about a good bit. Cooper Cup turned up again. Uh, Alan Robinson got his first touchdown. A uh, couple got two. You know that it goes without saying. That's almost a given now. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm trying, I'm trying to find good words to say about a Rams victory, but this one, we looked good for three quarters and then just decided, no, we, we've had enough of playing good. We're just going to let the Falcons do whatever they want. And they very nearly did 31, 27. I think at, even, even at the end of the game, still unsure that we were actually going to see it out, but, um, yeah, we got it done. I'm not confident. I'm not really enjoying what I'm seeing on a whole, but I'm glad Jalen Ramsey managed to pick it off at the end because that 
you know, the big players do come up at the big at the right times. Usually, Ramsey came up at the end, luckily for us. But um, yeah, one on one, I'll take it considering the way we played against the Bills. Yeah, I had, my first note was just call off the search. We have located Alan Robinson and Cam Akers. Mm-hmm. I mean, to start the game, I mean, Stafford was 12 for 12. Unlucky number 13 was an interception. As was number 23. I think that's him on five this season, is it already? He led the league last season. It's a bit of a worry. You know, he's a playmaker and he's a massive upgrade for them, but isn't half turning the ball over and... You know, I mean, Cooper Cup of all people was the one that fumbled when the Falcons were only down six. So just key players coming up. I mean, Ramsey may have got the the final interception, but again, did not have a great game from what I saw and was targeted. It's just at least the Rams have competent staff. They they took a tactical safety to avoid any other special team antics after obviously the block punt. Um, so with with time expiring towards the end, they they took a safety, took the the two point hit, so that they could get a, what they call a free kick, basically a punt without the players charging them. They they saw out a win in f- some sort of fashion. Like I say, it was very comfortable for about three quarters, and then the Falcons almost unfalconed. But we can always count on the Falcons to to not disappoint. Speaking of not disappointing, uh, another game, the next game we're going to turn up is this one. If all the other games were crazy games, this may have been the craziest game of all uh, the entire week. It was just ballistic from start to finish. It was the Baltimore Ravens and the Miami Dolphins at M&T Bank Stadium. A lot of banks in these stadium names, I'm noticing. And uh, it, well, I don't know how to sort of, set this one up for you it ended 42 to 38 however you know at one point the ravens well at half time were winning 20 to 7 and then in the third quarter were winning 35 to 14 and the guy that i've been slagging off tua tagovailoa we we've all been slagging him off I think Jake, Jake um, wasn't so well, bad. Was it? Jake wasn't so bad. I mean, me and you, Ian. Yeah, me and yeah, you, Ian. Totally. Yeah, totally. I, th- I think even last week I said I've seen nothing from Tua that makes me think he's a, a franchise quarterback. And, well, wouldn't you know, he pulls a Matt Flynn. He fires six touchdown passes. And the, uh, you know, Jalen Waddle and Tidy Kill both went off in this one. Jalen Waddle looks terrifying, by the way. And uh, they come away with 42-38 winners over the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson in that game had a 79-yard uh, touchdown run. He looked amazing. Just everybody looked really good in this game, uh, with the possible exception of the defences. So, um, I don't know. Jake, do you want to take this one first? It was a heck of a game. Yeah, it's it's two a time. I mean, 36 of 50, 469 yards, six touchdowns, four in the fourth quarter. I mean, what's not to love? I mean, it was 35 and 14 with 13 minutes to go. 27, oh, 28 to 7 at half. I mean, the, the Ravens were in control for majority of this game. I mean, Lamar Jackson had a fantastic game. He was 21 or 29, yeah. 318 yards, <laughs> three touchdowns. He rushed nine times for 119 and a touchdown. I mean, that kind of gets lost in the shuffle. That because Tua had such a great game, Lamar Jackson was getting MVP shouts because the form he's on at the moment... 
this this game, like I say, from the outset was all Ravens. I mean, Devin Duvernay, 103-yard return to start the game, it felt very ominous. But as you mentioned, Jalen Waddell and, and, and Tyreek Hill, 22 catches between them, 261 yards, four touchdowns, just phenomenal. And then for the Ravens, Marcus Williams had two interceptions. First one was a bit of ping-pong where he kind of managed to, to save it from hitting the ground. And then the second one just before half time was absolutely phenomenal with with a toe drag that uh, even Nate Belson would have been proud of so this game just had absolute everything i mean there was stats left and right for for two tie in the dolphins franchise records for most um passing TDs in a game and then Tyreek Hill and Jalen Warden each have 150 receiving yards and a receiving touchdown in week 2 tied for the most teammates to do so in a single game in the Super Bowl era so this was just an absolute wet dream of a game in terms of stats and just offensive gameplay. I mean, it was indeed. I mean, by any measure, Lamar Jackson actually played better than Tua did. It, it's, it sounds insane to see that. Tua had six touchdown passes. And also Rashard Bateman, the receiver for the Baltimore Ravens, I actually, in, in this absolute track meet of a game, clocked the highest speed of over 21 miles an hour. It was just unbelievable. What a game from start to finish. Mark Andrews, another one with over 100 yards and a touchdown, receiving the tight end there. Um, Dave, what did you think? What a crazy game. I, again, I don't, I, don't know, I don't really know what, what to make of the Ravens or the Dolphins because Tua was barely there for three quarters and, and then all of a sudden, boom, it's a Tua show. Yeah, it, Tyreek Hill... Fantastic! Like eleven receptions, hundred ninety yards, and two touchdowns. And we got to see the Waddle celebration twice because uh, he got eleven receptions, hundred seventy-one yards, two touchdowns. To a four hundred sixty-nine yards. That's just incredible. I didn't know he was capable of throwing that in a year, let alone in one game. Um, I mean, and the bright spot for the Ravens, obviously, Lamar. I mean, between. The the other the the actual running backs. So the actual people who run the ball, they only rush for thirty six yards. Now that is not good enough from sixteen uh, carries for thirty six yards. Whereas Lamar nine nine carries one hundred nineteen yards and that one touchdown, which was just amazing. That was just fantastic from Lamar Jackson. And you know he's he's looking at that. He's looking at that uh, run just the dollar signs all the way. Instead of, you know, you're counting down the 20, the 10, the 5, he's going dollar, million, 100 million, 200 million. That, that, that's what Lamar's seen there, and rightfully so. But Tua, wow, what a way to... He's, he's probably shut us up anyway. Or it's a lot of his critics, he's definitely done that. But 36 of 50, 469 yards, six touchdowns. We can ignore the two interceptions. What a game from Tua, and what a game for the neutral as well. I mean, what again? Just like I said, what a week two. Well, you're saying that, but we can't really ignore those two interceptions because they were bad. They, they the were. First one was, the, the first well, one it was, it was harsh. The second yeah. one, yeah, it was bad. Yeah, the, the, the second, the second, the second one was terrible. Um, that I get what you can, now. I'm going to apologise here and say I thought Tua could do nothing, and I was proved wrong. However, it was one game. Now, I'm not saying he, he's not going to be good this year at all, 
but I don't think he's going to be throwing six touchdowns a game. Um, it, it's and, not even. It's not even one game though. It was one quarter. It was, it was <laughs> one quarter. just the last quarter. And I've never uh, been surrounded by such haters, man. It's not oh. hate. It's not hate. No. Uh, Lamar Jackson though is wow. You're right. His his uh, his stock is going through the roof, and and he's playing back at his um, MVP level of twenty. Oh my goodness, twenty seventeen. 2017, he won MVP. 2018, he looks absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but it was just a brilliant game, start to finish, absolutely amazing. Um, loved it. So uh, moving on, we then had uh, another game. Now, unfortunately, in this one, uh, one of the quarterbacks did go down. San Francisco 49ers against the Seattle Seahawks at Levi's Stadium. Slightly better name. Uh, and the 49ers won away, won, ran away with this one, 27-7. But unfortunately for the young quarterback, Trey Lance did go down injured. Uh, looks like he's done for the year, or at least some uh, considerable amount of time. And Jimmy Garoppolo came in. But wouldn't you know, Jimmy Garoppolo comes on, does what he does best, takes the team to a win. And that's all he does is make this team win. Um, as I say, the Seahawks are never really in this game at all. Dave, we'll put it to you first. What did you make of this? I, I feel I feel bad for Trey Lance. Uh, I, you know, uh, ability-wise, we still don't really know what Trey Lance is about. He, he is almost certainly done for the season. But, you know, it, it looks like a masterclass now that, you know, Jimmy G, the highest-paid backup in, in the league, is now in for the season. And... Yeah, he's just he's doing Jimmy G things. The Seahawks did nothing to help themselves, though. I mean, the ten penalties in the game for 106 yards. There was three turnovers. Um, they fumbled it. Two interceptions as well. But yeah, the, I mean, the 49ers, their run game really came to the forefront. Um, I think they got some around 190 rushing yards mark uh, for the game. They just wore the Seahawks down. 25 first downs in the entire game for the 49ers. Um, but yeah, just I, I feel bad for Trey Lance. Obviously, the you know Trey Lance going down, Jimmy G coming in is going to pretty much dominate the the headlines after the game. I mean, the, the Seahawks are they they're looking what they what we thought they were going to look like in that game. I think they were just kind of outplayed, outcoached. Uh, unlucky Pete Cow, but uh, yeah, it, it was um, the 49ers finally starting to look like themselves. Sadly for us, um, but obviously the 49ers they're going to be um, playing the Broncos next week, followed by the Rams after that. So I'm not looking forward to facing the 49ers. It's in San Francisco. I'd I'd rather Trey Lance was there. Obviously, we don't want to see a quarterback going down, but um, yeah, it, it did look a very nasty. Uh, I think a very big man fell on his ankle, and yeah, that he's he's gone for surgery as well. He's got probably almost certainly going to be out for the entire season. So, yeah, well done to the Forty Nineers, Seahawks. I, I mean, for the Seahawks fans, I'll be very concerned. Yeah, I mean, the only point Seattle scored is actually on a, an 85-yard blocked field goal return uh, by Michael Jackson. So there is that. Um, the, the Seahawks did indeed look like what we thought they were going to look like. And it just, they looked like a team that was outplayed and outcoached, which they should have done in week one, but clearly weren't. Anyway, I'm not going to get on to that. Uh, Jake, I'm going to put it to you. It's 49ers Seahawks. Yeah, so for, for the spotlight for the, the 49ers, I mean, Nick Bosa, 
two sacks, two tackles for loss, five quarterback hits. He was just a monster. And I'm going to butcher this name, but I was very impressed by him. I w- I'm going to go for it. So it was Talanoa Hufanga. Well done. Uh, he's the, the safety for the 49ers. Well done, he, yeah. He, he was just everywhere. I mean, six tackles. He had a tackle for loss. He had two pass defense. He, he looked phenomenal. But the Seahawks, they, they ran one of the worst plays I've ever seen. They, they had four running backs on the field. They then snapped the ball, gave it to DJ Dallas, you know, we all love DJ Dallas, mm-hmm. who then limply throws it into double coverage. It, it just blew my mind. It was the most Pete Carroll thing I've ever seen, trying to get cute with running backs near the goal line. I mean, you know, it didn't learn last time. I won't learn again. And then to top off, at one point, the punter the ball to Tyler Lockett. He's trying to catch the ball, and his own player backs into him and muffs the punt. I mean, the Seahawks, like you say, they're exactly who we thought they were. They are who we thought they were. Last six quarters, they, they've scored zero points on the offense. The only point was on that blocked field goal. The Seahawks suck. Pete Carroll sucks. And uh, yeah, <laughs> they, are, they are exactly who we thought we were. Well, also with, uh, you know, Michael Jackson getting that return, you know, the Seahawks Go new... Carefully you know, Go carefully now. carefully <laughs> now. The, the Seahawks' new chant can be, I'm bad. I'm really, really oh. bad. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, that, oh, that was and, bad. That was bad. School. That was that was. Oh, wow. You had to go there, right? <laughs> okay. Moving on, gentlemen, as swiftly as we possibly can, we come to a team, the uh, Buffalo Bills and the Tennessee Titans. The Bills last week uh, faced the NFC champion Rams and um, shot them to pieces. And then this week faced the last year's uh, number one seed in the AFC and dismantled them. This game... Much like uh, last week's game, but even more so, 41-7, to the Bills just crushed, and I mean crushed, the Tennessee Titans at Highmark Stadium. I don't even know where that is. And uh, it was it was 41-7 to in the third quarter, and the Bills just stopped playing. And even after they stopped playing the Titans could get nothing done and could not score in the fourth quarter. It was just an... It's one of the most impressive wins I've seen in a long time. Uh, Josh Allen didn't have to do anything and yet still was absolutely amazing in this game. And as for Stefan Diggs, he turned it on three touchdown catches, 148 yards. That I'm worried if I'm a Titans fan because the Bills... They just went, do you know what? We're going to stop Derrick Henry. I'm going to force you to throw the ball. And my goodness, did it show the cracks in that Titans team. Um, Dave, we'll put it to you first. What did you make of this? Just to show how one-sided it was, both teams brought in their backup quarterbacks at the end. Malik Willis came in. um, It didn't show much. Didn't really have a chance to show much. Even Case Keenum came in for the Buffalo Bills. Allen was just incredible. He, he, amazing, amazing play. The Bills fans, Bills Mafia, really sort of intimidated the Titans. Derek Henry was just shocking. I, I mean, he, we know he's a big guy. We know what he can do, but he did. He did not look like Derek Henry. It wasn't just the Bills defense. Bill, Bills defense made made him look ordinary. 
But Derrick Henry looked very, very slow. Now, not there, there was just no cut whatsoever. And then he got 13 carries for 25 yards. He did get a touchdown, but that's it. That's all he did. Uh, Haskins got nine carries for 37. You know, that averages just over four yards per carry. Um, receivers, uh, Burke got four receptions. Robbie Trees, Robbie, uh, Robert Woods uh, got four receptions as well. Tannehill, 11 of 20, 117 yards and two interceptions. Ouch. So, yeah, it was it was just, it was a masterclass on offense and defense on the Bills. How can anyone say that, you know, they are not the favorites for the Super Bowl this year? They just annihilated the Titans. It was it was forty one to seven at the end of the third quarter, and it they they made it look easy. The Titans were just it was again the Bills versus a schoolboy team. The schoolboy probably had more success than than the Titans did, but Titans off to an zero two start. Just we, none of us none of us saw the Bills being quite this dominant. We knew they were going to be good, but that that was just different class. It was. I mean, Jake, what did you what did you see in this game? I saw the Bills' defense just absolutely suffocate the Titans. Like mm-hmm. they mentioned, with Derrick Henry went nowhere. They won the turnover battle four to nothing. They had two interceptions, two fumbles. They had another fumble that wasn't recovered. They had a pick six. I mean, that that the Bills beat the Super Bowl champions and the AFC number one seed seventy two to seventeen. Ouch. It's it's not even been close. They are in a class of their own at the moment. Um, the only bad news was uh, the, the really scary injury to, to the cornerback Dane Jackson. Uh-huh. He dived through the ball with a, a receiver, and the, Trayvon Edmonds, the linebacker, was coming in to help and just absolutely nailed him. And his neck and his head basically went backwards. It was really scary. The ambulance got called on. It was scary scenes. He's been released from hospital and seemingly okay uh which is a miracle because they showed it once on replay and that was it and then cut away from the stadium because it was it was you know people were quite worried for quite some time it was not pretty at all so very thankful that he seemingly is okay and the bills will just continue to roll through you know i pity whoever has to play them next yeah, it's going to be a, a, t- a tough one. Anyone else to face that Buffalo team? So moving on to the final game uh, of week two, and it was Jake's pick for the NFC East. The Philadelphia Eagles and the Minnesota Vikings. And the Vikings looked dominant in week one against the Green Bay Packers. Um, this week they ran into an absolute steamroller coming the other way. Philadelphia Eagles 24-7. Vikings really couldn't get much done at all. And the Eagles just looked efficient really really efficient in this game um Kirk Cousins did manage to throw one touchdown pass so his streak is still going Jake we're still keeping an eye on that streak uh, I think he's up to 32 games now with a touchdown pass but that's about all you can say about this this was all Eagles all the way uh Jake will put it to you first I mean what did what did you see in this I just saw exactly what I thought I was going to see the Eagles Fly, Eagles, fly. I mean, Jalen Hurts, 26 of 31, 333 yards and a touchdown. And then on the ground, similar to Lamar, outrunning his team. I mean, 11 rushes for 57 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, it was split. The, the receptions were split very even throughout the entire team. It was just a, an entire team, you know, offense display. I mean, Darius Slay, two interceptions whilst covering Justin Jefferson. He had six targets, zero catches, three breakups, whilst covering you know one of the the elite wide receivers in the league. I mean, 
just dominant. Uh, and then the Vikings playing from behind, but basically zero Russian. Kirk Cousins led the team in Russian. They just didn't even try and run the ball uh, you know, to start. And then once you fall behind, not many teams will then stick to the run. But yeah, you know, when you're so one-dimensional and, and the Eagles are playing so well, it was it was just very easy. And then it was anticlimactic Monday night football, really. Two teams that won very, very comfortably. Yeah, Dalvin Cook, um, six attempts for 17 yards. I don't think many people saw that coming. Uh, Dave, what about you? I mean, Kirk Cousins cements himself as the most mediocre quarterback in the league. Um, it, it, when, when he targeted Justin Jefferson and Darius Slay was the nearest defender, he was one of five for seven yards and two interceptions. Now, that, that's Darius Slay. What a game he had. Justin Jefferson, just nowhere to be seen. Adam Thielen wasn't targeted until the third quarter. That, that's, I mean, like Jake was saying, Jalen Hurts was slinging it to everyone and around the field. They didn't know where he was going next. What a fantastic game for Jalen Hurts. Kirk Cousins, the complete polar opposite. Uh, obviously, you know, he did get one touchdown, but the rest of the game, that, that's, that's all you can really say. Uh, 27 or 46 for 221 yards. Uh, that one touchdown, but also three picks as well. Um, and for the well, just to put uh, into context about uh, Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins had two carries for 20 yards. So he rushed more than uh, Dalvin Cook. And um, the, the only kind of run that was of note was Jalen Rager, who ran once for 17 yards. Um, apart from that, it wasn't, wasn't a great day for the Vikings at all. And... Yeah, it's the, they're on a course for another kind of win-loss, win-loss, win-loss season. That ends our uh, coverage of a week two around the NFL. So we're going to take a very short break and then we're going to be coming back with a quick fire preview of week three. And also, don't forget, random stats. We'll catch you after this. Welcome back to the WinFL Show. Uh, I'm Ian McKinnon, still here with Jake and Dave. Um, so, gentlemen, we've got a quick fire week three preview. And we start with Thursday night game. It is the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns. So, Dave, we'll put it to you. What do you reckon is going to happen in this one? I mean, I know what I want to happen. I, wa- I want the, the Browns to be kind of 21 and all up uh, with about 10 minutes to go and then the Steelers come back. But I, th- I think it's going to be another kind of slug between the two of them. It's hard fought, grind it out. But um, yeah, I've, I've um, gone for a 23-21 to the Steelers. That is going to be a field goal frenzy for the Steelers. Oh, I mean, you've got the same same score down. 23-21. Nice. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> That's what I've got. I, I think it will be close, but I think that uh, Tomlin's going to do his thing and they're going to mm-hmm. squeeze this one out. 23-21 I've got. Jake, what about you? Yeah, we've got a clean sweep on the Steelers. They're they're five point underdogs. I've got them winning nineteen to seventeen. Uh, now going on to the Sunday games, uh, Jake, it's your New Orleans Saints against a division rival, Carolina Panthers. What do you reckon is going to be the score in this one? Yeah, Saints are three point favourites. The over under stats surprisingly low at fourteen and a half. I've gone the Saints twenty eight to seventeen. I've got the Saints winning it, but much closer, much lower score. So I've got 17 to 13 to the Saints. I've got the Saints also winning it. I've got it 16-13 in overtime. First time I've predicted an overtime game. 
And I've got my 16-13 to the New Orleans Saints. We then come to the Houston Texans and the Chicago Bears. Gotta be honest, I found this one really quite difficult to sort of pick between. But I'm taking the Texans. I think Davis Mills is improving with almost every single game that he plays. And I think that um, the Texans will prevail. I've got the Texans taking this one 20-13. Well, I've got the Texans also winning this game, but it's going to be a much closer game. I think it's going to be uh, 18 points to 17 to the Texans. We've got another clean sweep. I've got the Texans. They're getting two and a half points against the Bears. I've got them winning 13 to 10. The, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Indianapolis Colts. And before... You know, like last week, I would look. I did look at a lot of these games coming up. I thought this one was going to be pretty close. I was actually quite indecisive. I'm not indecisive anymore. I think the Chiefs are going to absolutely annihilate the Colts based on what I saw last week. And I've got them winning this one 42 to 17. I've got a victory for the Chiefs also, but I think it's going to be a much closer scoring game because I think the Colts are going to get a boot up the backside. So I've gone for a 31-27 win for the Chiefs. Frank Reich's going to need that before he gets the boot, but I've got the Chiefs winning 38-14. to If they're getting six and a half points, I think the Chiefs are just going to beat up on a, on a poor Colts team. We then have uh, another a division matchup, and this looks like it's going to be a good one. Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins. I can't see the Dolphins slowing the Bills down. They couldn't stop the the Ravens from scoring I think this might be another um, points fest because the Dolphins did look good I don't think they're going to score as many as last week so I've got the Bills actually winning this one by 35-28 I've got the Bills winning by 38 points to 26 and again clean sweep I've gone 41 to 27 but somebody is losing their role because they're both 2 and 0 we then come to the Detroit Lions and the Minnesota Vikings. Seems to be a lot of uh, uh, divisional divisional matchups this time. The Lions and the Vikings. I, I want the Lions to win, but I've got the Vikings coming back. Uh, they won week one. They lost week two. I've got them winning week three. I think it's going to be a close one. I've got them 21-20. Just a one-point win. Well, we picked this for the Stramash uh, podcast for a little segment of the underdogs to win. So I've gone for 31 points to 24 win because I th- I am in love with Dan Campbell's coaching. And I think uh, the Lions run game is going to be just as dominant as it was last week. I am incredibly disappointed in you now. So I thought we, we rode together. I also <laughs> back the Lions and our upsets. I've gone 27 to 22. I, I want the Lions to win. I do. It's the fact just, you've not backed your boy. You know, Dave's predicted this up, this upset and you've not you're not backed. Him. That, that's I, just, I just can't I can't I'm listen, also I've got some serious catching up to do. Um because I, I, I've been awful in the first two weeks predicting. So I've got to kinda of go against you guys to see if I can ping one back here uh, we then come to the Baltimore Ravens and New England Patriots I think Lamar will continue for what he did last week I don't think the Patriots will be able to stop him uh, but I don't think the Patriots have the firepower to do what the Dolphins did so I've got the Ravens winning this one 28 to 18 over the Patriots I've got a much closer game I think the Patriots will slow down uh, slow, slow Mar- Lamar down a little bit I've got the Ravens winning by 20 points to 17 I'm not too far off. Ravens are getting three points. Well, they're, they're three points favourites. 
I've got them winning 20 to 13. Like you say, I think Bill Belichick will do all he can to, to slow Lamar down, but overall, the, the Ravens will just have too much. We then come to the Cincinnati Bengals and New York Jets. I think the Bengals finally get things together. Uh, I think it'll be a close game, but I've got them taking this one 27-26. Well, I've got it going to overtime because that is my party trick, but I have got it at 27 apiece with the Bengals missing a field goal and then the Jets uh, getting a touchdown in overtime. Wow, a Jets win up. That is bold. I, I've gone with the, the Bengals 23-16. to 16. I say hopefully they right the ship. It's you know been one of the most disappointing tales of the, the season so far. We then move out to the Las Vegas Raiders at the Tennessee Titans. I've got the Titans squeezing this one, and I've got this one going to overtime. I reckon the Raiders do two overtimes in a row, and I think they lose this time. I backed the Raiders the last two weeks, and they've disappointed me uh, as far as my predictions go. Obviously, being a Broncos fan, I'm not disappointed at all. Uh, but I think the Titans will win this one. Uh, it's going to be 20 apiece going into overtime, and the Titans win it uh, with a Derek Henry run at 26-20. I've got the Raiders winning this, but I've got it as 23 points to 21. I don't think I'm really disappointed with what I saw from the Titans and from Derrick Henry in particular. So I think the Titans are going to grind to a really shuddering halt. Yeah, one one of these teams is going to be 0 and 3 and basically season over. So it, it's crazy to think, you know, Raiders, one of the se- you know teams of the offseason and the Titans last year's. You know, best record in the AFC. I've got the Raiders winning 24 to 17. Uh, we then come to the Philadelphia Eagles and the Washington Commanders. I can't see the Eagles losing this one at all. I've got them winning this one fairly convincingly. I've got 27 14 to the Eagles. Well, I think it's going to be much higher scoring than that. I've got the Eagles winning by 38 points to 33. Uh, clean sweep on the Eagles. They're getting well. They're the four point favourites. I've got them winning twenty one to ten. We then come to the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Los Angeles Chargers. I've got the Chargers taking it, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than some people think. I've got the Chargers taking this one thirty one twenty eight. Ooh, well, we're in the kind of same ballpark because I've got the Chargers just taking it at twenty eight points to twenty seven. Yeah, Jaguars are a seven-point underdogs. I don't have them covering, sadly. I've got the Chargers winning 27-16. to 16. Now, that kind of depends on if Justin Herbert's been put back into one piece. <laughs> I suppose it does at that. Um, we then have uh, Dave's Los Angeles Rams against the Arizona Cardinals. This was a tough one for me to pick, Dave, but I am taking the Rams, uh, and I've got them winning this one 26-23. Well, I, I, this is a tough one for me as well because I, I do have the Rams just winning, but I'm going for 35 points to 30. And I think the cards are going to push us all the way. And then there's going to be a big play by one of our cornerbacks. The Rams are four point favourites. I've got a push because I've got them winning 24 to 20. We then come up to the Atlanta Falcons and Seattle Seahawks. I've got the Falcons in this one. I think they showed enough that they almost came back against the Rams. I think they're playing a far inferior team this week against the Seahawks. So I've got the Falcons actually winning this one at 21-14. But the Seahawks to win this one. I think the 12th man is going to be in full effect against the Falcons. So I've got them winning it by 16 points to 13. I am 
very similar to Dave, except the Bengals so far. I've got the Seahawks winning. I've got them winning 18 to 16. I think it'll be a very close game. I think every game with Seattle is going to be this kind of scoreline. Them and the, the Steelers are kind of in the same ballpark of just playing games. Very, very grindy at the moment. But yes, 18 to 16. We then come to the Green Bay Packers uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday. And uh, do you know what? I I can't I I just I can't go with the Buccaneers, so I'm taking the Packers in this one. I think it's going to be a close game. I've got the Packers winning twenty seven twenty six. I've got the Packers winning as well, but I think there's it's going to be a little bit less scoring. I think it's going to be twenty three points to sixteen. Youth Bulls backing against the Bucks two weeks in a row. <laughs> worked worked for me last week. I'll just keep backing them. The Bucks to win thirty one to twenty three. No Mike Evans, no Godwin, they'll still be all right. Uh, we then come to the Sunday night game, the San Francisco 49ers against my Denver Broncos. It is in mile high, but I, do you know what? I think for the first time ever, I'm picking against my team. I I just, I can't see it. To, I mean, they've been outcoached by Pete Carroll and Lovie Smith. Even though they won last week. Uh, going up against uh, Kyle Shanahan, I, I don't give the Broncos much of a chance in this, unfortunately. Um, so I've got the 49ers 27-20. I, I do have the 49ers winning this, but I think it's going to be a really close game. I've got the 49ers winning by 17 points to 16. I am keeping faith with the Broncos. I am picking them 20 to 17. Good man, Jake. Good man. I, I couldn't find it within myself to do that, so I'm glad you did. This will be the fact that it's Sunday night football and I have to watch this and I'll stay up. This, I, I could have a serious falling out with the Broncos. My Twitter could not be a good place for Russell Wilson on Sunday if, if he fails to perform again. If, if they do what they've done the last two weeks, um, I'm going to get banned might, on Twitter. I might just start <laughs> watching, watching highlights. <laughs> it's just it's because it's been so depressing to watch. Uh, finally, we have the Monday night game: Dallas Cowboys, New York Giants. I've got this one. Uh, I'm actually, do you know what? Taking the Giants to go three and zero here. Thirteen ten, three and zero Giants. No one saw that coming. No, no one did see that coming. But I've got the game going to overtime with twenty apiece, with the Cowboys stealing it with, with a, a touchdown in overtime to make it twenty six twenty. Somehow the Giants are favourites in this game. Two and a half points. Uh, Daniel Jones against this defence. Cowboys are going to win easily. 24 to 14. Well, there we go. That's me told. <laughs> Thanks so much. And that's our quick fire a preview of week three, gentlemen. I, I don't actually have a note of what the scores are uh, for us uh, predicting these games. I know that I'm way behind. I know that. I think I've only predicted two or three games correctly so i've really not done well at all um so we have time for uh, our final segment and it is of course random stats so who would like to start us off with random stat this week i nominate jake <laughs> jake okay. I, I, I will i will do it i am talking about someone that we we've briefly covered and a team that we're, we're quickly falling in love with i am talking about amon Ra st brown uh, this marks the sixth consecutive game in which he has caught a touchdown. He is the third player under the age of 23 to do so in the entire history of the NFL. Uh, that joins Randy Moss, Hall of Famer, and future Hall of Famer Rob Gronkowski, 
And a little added bonus, that is, he, he's joined the list of most consecutive games with eight-plus receptions in NFL history a long time, uh, alongside Michael Thomas and Antonio Brown. So he's one of these players that is so underrated that he's now becoming overrated because everybody is realizing what a player he is. And I just hope to, to not curse him and the, and the streak continues. Yeah, he has looked brilliant, hasn't he? He's just absolutely fantastic. And right right back to last year, he looked great. I, in fact, I remember the, the, the Lions playing the Broncos and I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> First of all, I was like, what a name, Amon Ra St. Brown. And uh, yeah, he, he looked great. And this he started this season with a bang right out of the blocks. Uh, good for him. Yeah, I like that one, Jake. Well, why don't I go next for the random stat? Uh, my random stat actually concerns quarterbacks. And uh, in fact, it, the majority of it concerns two quarterbacks, uh, those being former Saints quarterback Drew Brees and current Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford. Uh, now, the reason that I, I chose this is because I was I was looking for a random stat and I wanted to talk about quarterbacks because I don't usually talk about quarterbacks in my random stats. Uh, and then something caught my eye. So it was the passers, quarterbacks, with the fewest games to reach passing yards milestones. The all-time one there is 80,000. The fewest games to reach 80,000 career passing yards is unsurprisingly... Drew Brees. He's also the fastest to reach 75,000, 70, 65, 60, 55, and 50. Now, what's special about the 50,000 is that he's tied with 183 games with one Matthew Stafford. And Matthew Stafford is the fastest to reach 45, 40, 75, 30, 25, and 20. And he was the fastest to reach 15 and 10, just been overtaken by Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes is on course to <laughs> become the fastest to reach 20,000. And Drew Brees owned all of these records prior to Matthew Stafford, with the fastest to reach all these passing yards. So it was Drew Brees, Matthew Stafford, and it looks like Patrick Mahomes is going to be next on those lists. Just a uh, clean sweeping, the fastest player to reach all these passing yards. I don't know how long Matthew Stafford is going to continue to play for. He's currently the fastest player ever to reach 50,000 passing yards with 183. Uh, and from then on, right up to 80,000, it's Drew Brees. So a uh, big shout outs to the, the Dome quarterbacks there, I should say, uh, more than anything else. Although uh, Stafford, I mean, is, is the, the LA Stadium a Dome? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a big state. It's a big stadium. It's a big stadium. <laughs> so if I is, yeah. it, is it classed as a dome? It's not really. It's got a retractable roof, doesn't it? It's got a retractable roof, but yeah. I think because of the size of it, it may as well be. <laughs> maybe, maybe it is. I don't know. It's, I mean, it's half indoors, isn't it? Uh, but yeah. yeah, so Drew Brees was the fastest to all these milestones. Matthew Stafford has since become the fastest to all of these milestones up until 50,000, tied with Drew Brees. And as we can see, starting back in 2017, Patrick Mahomes, uh, he will be the fastest to 20. Uh, thousand career passing yards the man is just absolutely insane so that is my uh, random stat i like that one i'm a big fan of that one i thought there's no be. shame in uh losing to patrick mahomes is there at this point no uh and just before you give us your stat dave i was actually doing some digging on um 
you know, yards and uh, looking at these in Patuahos, I say, fastest to 10,000 career passing yards, 15,000. It took Matthew Stafford 71 games to get to 20,000 career passing yards, mm-hmm. um, which, um, which, which is a lot. Uh, yeah. No, sorry, what I meant to say is, is not a lot. Um, Patrick Mahomes is currently 414 yards shy and he's so a game. Sorry, <laughs> so, one, so, game. So one game. Ba- basically, one game. Um, he's played sixty-five games, so he's going to absolutely hammer past that one. And one, one other, just just a quick, very quick uh, additional stat for you. Um, Patrick Mahomes is the only player in NFL history to average over three hundred yards passing per game. So and and it's not even close. No one has even come close to that. So if he stays healthy, he is going to own all of these records. It's just going to say Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, all the way through. Literally, just depends on how long he plays if he continues the way he's going. But I say Matthew Stafford has half these records, and Drew Brees has the other half at the moment. Look, it's a marathon, not a sprint, and that's all I will say on that. Yes. Just I'm trying <laughs> try not to. Uh, you know, put put too much stick on Matt Stafford's. He's he's you know he's been a good quarterback. He's not had the best kind of uh, careers up up until the Super Bowl last year. But uh, yeah, I think that more that says a lot more about Patrick Mahomes than it does Matt Stafford. But onto my own random stat, I think. So my random stat is about a very hot and cold yin and yang player. So this player. Uh, uh, he's got franchise records, so he's got the most complete passes in a single game, which was 45. He's got the most pass attempts in a single game, which was 68 pass attempts. He's also the f- uh, got. He's also tied uh, for the franchise for the most fourth quarter comebacks in a single season with four. He's a two-time Pro Bowler, and he's also a division uh, champion. He's uh, started 85 games. He's got a record of 46, 38, and 1. And uh, he's also got a decent percentage, 63.9 percentage. Um, And the stat I want to really highlight is that he's also got uh, a season record for the most fumbles lost uh, in the league uh, one year of 12. Uh, sorry, he's fumbled it 12 times and then another uh, league leader in losing six fumbles. So, Jared Goff, the man, the myth, the legend, two-time Pro Bowler. He was pretty consistent for the Rams until he was traded for Matt Stafford. So that one links in quite nicely. But what the one season I really want to highlight was the 2019 season where he completed 394 passes from 626 attempts for 4,638 yards. He did throw for 22 touchdowns, but he also threw 16 interceptions. He fumbled the ball 10 times and lost five of them, and also been sacked 22 times that season. So, a big yin and yang player. Make of him what you will, Jared Goff. Rams legend, arguably, but a Rams franchise record holder all the same. 
I would earlier on when you were saying nice things about the lions <laughs> and even nice things about Jared Goff. This, this makes a lot more sense. Now. <laughs> I I would never have guessed Jared Goff. See yeah. when you were, you were rattling off those numbers at first, I thought you were talking about Drew Bledsoe. Oh, I thought Matt Sanchez, and then uh, when you started talking about fumbles, I was like, it can't be Daniel Jones. I don't think he owns any any franchise <laughs> records. No, no good franchise records. Yeah, no, I thought, well, I thought the fumbles one. I thought maybe there's got to be that one. And I was, I do you know, I would never have guessed Jared Goff for that. Well, up up until he got traded to the Lions, he was he actually had a win loss record of forty two and twenty seven uh, as the Rams starter. So he didn't exactly have a bad record, but now he's forty six and thirty eight and one <laughs> overall in his career. So. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, he's he's had a very up and down career, but um, yeah, big shout out Jared Goff, the one and only time I'm going to do it. There you go. Um, well, um, do you know what? I've got a bonus stat for you. Go on. I've got, I've got a, a bonus stat, and uh, I don't know how much you're going to 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 appreciate this stat or or even think it's interesting at all. Last week, we spoke about Jimmy Garoppolo. And, uh, you know, he, he came on and we were talking about how I think I'd mentioned that Kyle Shanahan's record with Jimmy Garoppolo is ridiculous. Like he's, I think he's only lost, like, I can't remember exactly what it is. It's something stupid. He, he's like lost seven games. He's like 23 and seven or 23 and eight with Jimmy Garoppolo, with Kyle Shanahan. Without Jimmy Garoppolo, the 49ers are eight and 27. Kyle Shanahan coaching them. So it's almost like flipped. It's like so 20, 27 and 8 like with Jimmy and 8 and 27 without Jimmy. And it doesn't, the stat doesn't make any sense because not many people look at Jimmy Garoppolo and say he's a great quarterback. No. You know, there's not many teams that would say we would love to have him on our team because if there were, he would have been traded in the offseason. We, we all know this. He was primed to be traded and he ended up not being traded signed his contract and that but his record at San Francisco is incredible and the fact that Kyle Shanahan without him has an appalling record you're talking about yin and yang there Dave that this just reminded me of that stat and I thought my goodness you know what's going to happen if and I'm just saying I'll, I'll put it to you guys what happens if Jimmy Garoppolo goes off on a 10, 11, 12 game win streak with the 49ers? Do they still try they, and ship him next year? No, they just admit defeat like they should have this season. Trey Lance, you know, not to, to be on the, on the, the poor man. You know, he's injured, but he's, Jimmy Garoppolo's better. Jimmy Garoppolo knows how to win a game. He's not, you know, Aaron yeah. Rodgers. He's not going to excite you and, and throw for 500 yards. He knows how to win a game. He's a game manager and he's very damn good at it. And, what I've seen from Trey Lance in his five games, I don't see how people think he's better. He, he brings a different dynamic with the the running game. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if Jimmy G, you know, leads the the Forty Niners to playoffs, win, you know, playoff win. I mean, I assume the Forty Niners will attempt to trade him because they're, you know, John Lynch and, and Shanahan are all in on Trey Lance. They can't really go back on that now, and you know, he'll definitely up his price if he does that. But I, I just. I think it's stubbornness at this point. I, I think Jimmy G is better. I'm, I'm yet to be proven otherwise. 
just see how it goes. I, I think the 49ers, as, as horrible it is, are in a better situation now. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's absolutely insane. I mean, the guy in his career has a 33-14 and 14 record. I mean, that that's really good. That's a really good record for, for any quarterback. If you're winning, you know, two and a half to three times the amount of games that, you, uh, that you're losing, I mean, what can you say about that? He's been at the 49ers for, is this his sixth year, I think it is now? I think it's his sixth year. And... They've been, you know, he's taken the team to two NFC Championship games and a Super Bowl. And and they were only a couple of plays away from winning that Super Bowl against Kansas City. And they were only a few plays away from winning that NFC Championship game, going to a second Super Bowl. And you think, why? <laughs> why, why does Jimmy G get the hate that he does from so many fans? Do you think it is just because he's, you know, he's not a, sexy quarterback well he is a sexy quarterback I think we can all agree on that but you know what I mean his play style isn't like Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes he doesn't play that way but the team wins when he's playing with them I think that he is one of the best play action quarterbacks so you know the 49ers have such a run game Uh, their game is based around the run completely and when when the run game's maybe not quite working out, he'll play action and he can throw, He can find his receivers when he needs to. So I, I think he, he is one of the best play-action quarterbacks and he suits the, that Shanahan offense so well. So I think that's what really works for him. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. But we'll wait and see. You know, as I said, the, the 49ers going into Mile High Stadium on Sunday night and I'd, I'm, I'm, I'm terrified that Garoppolo's just going to do his thing and the Fortnite is going to run the ball all night and the Bronx are just going to just lose because they can't stop the 49ers and because um, the offense won't be able to do anything with Nathaniel Hackett's play calling. Um, I don't know. It's it's one of those things, one of the things to ponder. Uh, gentlemen, do we have anything that we want to add before we uh, finish up for the night? I've just not received... I, I sent them out in an email. I've not received the two uh, apology forms back from you guys, so <laughs> if you could just fill those out for me. <laughs> With gritted teeth, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've got a new number. Oh, wait, new, new email. Never mind, I've got a new email address. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, listen, guys, thanks again for that. Appreciate it. It's great to have the NFL back, uh, as we always say. Uh, if anyone wants to hit us up on Twitter, at The WinFL Show, you can also find myself, Jake, and Dave on Twitter. Really appreciate everyone listening to the podcast. Glad that you're enjoying it. We also appreciate all the comments that we've received uh, from people. Uh, Jake, thank you very much for your time. Always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, Dave, thanks to you. Always a pleasure. Uh, I've been Ian McKinnon, and uh, thank you very much. We'll catch you on next week's edition of The WinFL Show.